0: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Arkansas. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. 33-year-old Ashley Bush was a lot of things, but the thing she was best at and most proud of was being a mom. She had three kids, a boy and two girls between the ages of eight and two. There was nothing she loved more than being their mother, and in early 2022, she was elated to find out that she was pregnant with her fourth. Ashley and her fiance, Josh, didn't have much, but they had more than enough love to go around and did everything they could to make sure their children didn't go without. However, that seemed easier said than done in the fall of 2022. According to Josh, Ashley had always been the rock of the family, but this pregnancy was taking its toll on her. There were complications and hospital stays because their soon-to-be baby girl was pulling the escape artist moves and trying to enter the world earlier than planned. Ashley's doctor pulled her out of work to try and keep her from going back into labor too early, which meant that the income coming into the household was dropping drastically. That was only compounded by the fact that Josh was having health problems of his own. He posted online that he was having surgery on October 27th, something to do with his left side. The medical bills were piling up. They were behind on payments for the necessities. And by October 28th, when Josh was going to be recovering from surgery and Ashley in her third trimester, their phones were going to be shut off. For countless reasons, that was dangerous and the family needed help. So Ashley went to Facebook to see what her options were. She posted to a local mom group on Facebook saying, I have entered my third trimester, but I'm needing everything for my little girl. The doctor has put me off work trying to keep the little escape artist in a little longer. I go back to the doctor on Tuesday to see if labor has progressed or if I'm still dilated to only two. I'm starting to have issues with my blood pressure, and I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to work anymore. We had an infant car seat, pack and play, and bouncer in storage. I went yesterday. The infant car seat expires at the end of the month, and there are holes in the pack and play and bouncer. I'm not even going to lie. I'm scared to death this baby is going to come too early. We have to start from square one. We also have a registry on Walmart under Josh Willis or Ashley Bush, my legal name. Ashley was looking for help, but unfortunately, not everyone online is looking for someone to help. Sometimes they're looking for prey. Fast forward to Halloween Day, October 31st, at 6.49 p.m., seemingly out of nowhere, Ashley's fiance, Josh, posted to Facebook stating that he needed help locating a woman by the name of Lucy from a mom's working-from-home group. His pregnant fiance, Ashley Bush, and their unborn baby girl had been reported missing 19 minutes prior, and he wasn't about to sit around and wait for updates. By 9.34 p.m., he made another post, this time trying to narrow down the group that this Lucy person helps with. He got a ton of responses, and initially, people honed in on a profile of a woman whose last name was Lucy. She posted a ton of comments in various groups about a work-from-home opportunity, which honestly came off as spam and routed to a sketchy Amazon ad the profile definitely looked fake. The cover photo was some stock image of a butterfly landing on a flower, and the profile picture was of a smiling and professional-looking woman sitting in front of a bookcase. Certainly, someone so profoundly professional would have more to choose from than a stock photo of butterflies, and the rest of her profile was completely locked down. Almost immediately, people in the comments thought they'd found who they were looking for until Josh posted about a different profile, one belonging to a woman named Lucy Barrow, whose background photo was of a moon face and a shitty blurry profile picture of half a dog's face. Josh identified that profile as belonging to the woman he and Ashley had met, which meant Ashley didn't just disappear into thin air. There was a whole backstory as to what happened to her, and it was all about to come flooding out. Back on October 24th, the day Ashley posted about needing help with baby items, this Lucy character made her sixth public post of all time. Her first three posts are dated on the same day, October 24th, between 8.27pm and 8.30pm. The first was the update of her profile picture, the second was to note she was in a relationship, and the third was the update of her cover photo. 21 minutes later, she made sure to make a convincing post that she'd been locked out of her old account and that this was her new one. She shared a post from the Neighbors of Bella Vista group making her location known. One minute after that, she posted, I have a bunch of baby items if any moms-to-be need them. All of these posts had been made on the same day and the revelation that this woman was somehow involved in whatever led to Ashley's disappearance sent the entire community on edge. No one knew any of the details yet, but the facts they did know were painting a grim and sinister picture. On November 1st, 2022, the sheriff's department made an official post stating that Ashley was missing. What they shared made it seem less like a disappearance and more like an abduction. They stated that 33-year-old Ashley Bush, who was 31 weeks pregnant, was last seen in the passenger seat of an older model tan pickup truck at the intersection of Highway 71 and 43. They listed the driver of the truck as a Caucasian woman in her 40s who said her name was Lucy, which sounds a lot like they don't believe this woman is actually named Lucy. The intersection where Ashley was last seen was a T-intersection. At the long end was a Handy Stop convenience store. Josh had dropped Ashley off there early on the 31st to go to a follow-up interview for a work-from-home position this Lucy woman had offered her via Facebook. Josh told THV11 that he and Ashley had both gone to her first interview with Lucy, which had been held at the Gravette Library about 10 miles from that Handy Stop. The Gravette Library is quite possibly the smallest library in the history of libraries, but is also quaint and adorable. You absolutely would not know that this little Gilmore Girls-esque library existed in the middle of a shopping center unless you were familiar with the area. It was strange that a work-from-home job would involve an in-person interview at a library of all places, But Ashley was set on providing for her family, even if she couldn't be on her feet. So Josh drove her there, and frankly, the interview seemed to go well. Josh told 5 News Online that Lucy came off as welcoming, and he felt like they could trust her. She even offered to give Ashley some baby supplies. It seemed like the perfect situation, like an angel had dropped out of the sky to solve all of their immediate problems. With the interview having gone so well... Lucy told Ashley that she needed to travel to Bentonville for a follow-up with The Boss. This would be in-person interview number two for a work-from-home position. According to documents obtained by THV11, the interview was set for 9 a.m. on Halloween morning. Josh drove Ashley to the handy stop to meet Lucy. Lucy would be taking her the rest of the way to Bentonville to meet with The Elusive Boss. Lucy picked her up as scheduled, and Josh told Ashley he'd meet her back there at 3 p.m. to pick her up. Bentonville was definitely farther away than the Gravette Library, but still only about 30 miles away. Why this interview was planning on taking six hours is a question I don't think anyone can answer, but for most of the day, it all seemed to go according to plan. At around 3 p.m., Ashley did text Josh to let him know that she was in Gravette on her way back, Gravette was on the way home, so her text was essentially a 10-minute notice. Josh waited at the handy stop, but as the familiar tan pickup got close to the gas station, it didn't slow down and it didn't turn into the parking lot. Instead, it drove north on Highway 43, passing the handy stop altogether. Josh told KWA, I hollered at her because her windows cracked, so I know she heard me. This Lucy lady looks over at me, looks back straight ahead at the windshield, and drives off. Josh got right into his own truck and tried to follow Lucy's, but quickly lost sight of her. In a panic, he and everyone they knew started texting and calling Ashley, trying to get any response, but there was nothing. Knowing that time was of the essence here, Josh and Ashley's family were in problem-solving mode. THV 11 reports that they were able to figure out the last location of Ashley's phone, so they went towards it, only to realize that it was in a ditch near the community buildings, which would only have been about 250 feet from the convenience store. There's no way Ashley would have thrown her own phone out of a truck window, driven by a woman who'd stared at her husband while driving past him. Ashley was 31 weeks pregnant with a baby who was trying to come early and was having more complications on top of that. Being without a phone wasn't an option, and by 6.30 p.m., it was time to involve law enforcement. The sheriff's department didn't hesitate for a second when it came to trying to find Ashley and her unborn baby. Within a few hours, they were filing warrants to get access to her social media accounts, and Josh was talking to any media outlet willing to air her story. He told THV11 that he was worried about Lucy's intentions, and had a theory that she may have offered Ashley money for their unborn child and that Ashley turned her down. It was a pretty specific theory, but every single worst-case scenario was running through his and everyone else's minds. The company Lucy claimed to have worked for didn't even know her name. There had never been a job opportunity, and the interviews were starting to look like some sort of long, sinister plan. Deputies searched for Ashley all through the night and asked that anyone who'd seen her at the Handy Stop earlier that morning or at the Gravette Library during that first interview to please contact them. There was this overwhelming feeling that Lucy wasn't actually Lucy, and they needed to nail down her true identity to know where to look. Maybe someone at the Handy Stop had recognized her, or maybe she had to log into something at the library. While they hoped someone who'd seen them would reach out, they also asked that anyone with security footage in the area please share it with police. Within the first 24 hours of Ashley's abduction, theories were flying and almost every one of them came back to fetal abduction. Fetal abduction is when a pregnant woman is abducted for her unborn baby, a child who is generally heinously cut from the mother's womb. We saw that in the Savannah LaFontaine Greywin case, along with the Marlene Ochoa Lopez case. But it was strange that Ashley had been with Lucy all day from 9 a.m. until 3.09 p.m. when Josh chased after the truck, and Lucy hadn't seemed to have done anything nefarious as far as we know. A lot of people suspected that the text letting Josh know she was about 10 minutes out wasn't actually sent from Ashley, but the time added up. They had been about 10 minutes out, which is how Josh knew to be on the lookout for the tan truck and was able to witness it drive past the handy stop with no intention of stopping. Had Lucy been planning this all along? Had she changed her mind during the day? Did she change her mind about not changing her mind at the last second? Or was she just an absolute moron that, thankfully, gave her victim's fiancé an opportunity to fight for her? In the back of everyone's mind, I think there was a little hope that maybe Ashley had just decided to run off with Lucy, but that was squashed on November 2nd when she missed an ultrasound appointment. Ashley's children meant everything to her, and there was no way she'd miss an appointment this important. Remember, they were constantly checking to make sure her labor had stalled and she wasn't dilating anymore. 5 News Online reported that investigators had gotten numerous leads overnight and were hopeful after some new developments. But Josh told 4029 TV that he'd lost all faith in humanity. He told 5 News Online, To whoever's got her, just please let her go. We don't have much. We've got, all we've got is our family. That's all we've got. We just want her home. Later that day, law enforcement expanded their search out of Arkansas and into Missouri. That handy stop was just five miles south of the Missouri state line, and Lucy had headed north. If this crime crossed state boundaries, Lucy was up Fucked Creek without a single popsicle stick, because if so, the FBI would have jurisdiction if they so pleased. And so pleased they were. The FBI swooped right on in like the Batman they are and made this investigation their bitch. Terrible news for the shitbag who decided to abduct her. Fantastic news for everyone else on the planet. On November 3rd, 2022, law enforcement announced that they'd be holding a press conference that afternoon. There was hope that they were going to share some leads and ask for more information or even that they'd found them. But when the press conference started, the looks on their faces made it clear that this case wasn't going to have a happy ending. The sheriff's office stated that both Ashley and her baby, who'd been named Valkyrie, had been located deceased and in separate locations. They said it was one of the most horrific cases they'd ever been involved with. The details that followed are worse than anyone could have imagined. During the press conference, law enforcement said that on the same day Ashley went missing, emergency services had gotten a call about an unresponsive baby. In the 911 call, CNN reports that a woman named Amber Waterman was a week past her due date and had been having contractions that morning. They said she didn't have enough time to make it to the hospital, so EMS was going to intercept her in a store parking lot. However, before that could happen, a call came in stating that Amber had given birth in the car. By the time EMS got there, the baby girl was unresponsive, and though professionals tried to revive her, they couldn't. Amber refused to get medically evaluated after giving birth in the vehicle, but according to CNN, the baby, who had tragically passed away, was taken to the hospital by ambulance. Amber said she'd follow behind them, she'd even been given money for gas, and while she and her husband Jamie did initially trail behind the ambulance, they eventually turned down another road. Whether or not either of them actually made it to the hospital isn't known, but they did contact the coroner, who just so happened to also own the funeral home in town. Amber and Jamie made their way to the funeral home on November 1st and started planning the baby's funeral, the baby they had named Dakota. The small family service, set to include six to eight people, was held quickly thereafter, and according to a statement the coroner gave to CNN, everyone in attendance was distraught. While all of this was unfolding, law enforcement had been on alert for any unusual births or, frankly, any birth that made their spidey senses go off, and this one fit the bill. They contacted the coroner to make sure he performed an autopsy on Amber and Jamie's baby, whom they had planned to cremate. Initially, the coroner hadn't noticed any red flags, just a grieving family. However, he told the outlet that once they found out an autopsy was going to be performed, Amber's demeanor changed. Of all things, she asked if they were going to run the baby's DNA. As early as the day Ashley was abducted, detectives had their eye on Amber. According to a criminal complaint obtained by KSN, they'd been able to go through Ashley's social media accounts and identify that Lucy Barrow profile. Once identifying it, they got an IP address for the account, which wound up being associated with T-Mobile. It all led back to Amber and Jamie Waterman, so off to their house they went. Investigators made their first contact with the Watermans on November 1st and asked some questions. Amber told them that she'd been home all day on the 31st with her son and her husband's cousin's daughter. She also let authorities know that she'd given birth to a stillborn baby. Detectives asked if they could take a look around the Waterman's home, and they said yes. What Amber didn't say yes to was a peek inside her phone, because according to her, she had lost it. After going through the house, the criminal complaint states that they noticed a pickup truck on the property that matched the description Josh had given police. Inside of it, deputies noticed what appeared to be blood-like stains on the steering wheel, center console, and the headliner of all places. According to Amber, she was the only one with the keys to access that truck, an admission that would not fare well for her. Now, Amber said she was home all day with her son and husband's cousin's daughter, but Jamie, her husband, was not. According to KSN's copy of the criminal complaint, he told police that he had left for work at 6 a.m. that morning. When he came home for lunch around noon, he said that the tan truck was gone and it didn't seem like anyone was home. This would have been in the time frame of Ashley's interview with the boss, so if Amber was Lucy, where were she and the kids when Jamie came home for lunch? According to 5 News Online, detectives asked Amber if she knew Ashley, and Amber said she didn't. However, she did say that she knew Lucy from her days at Walmart, but that she didn't know her well. At 4.30 p.m. that day, less than an hour and a half after Josh saw Lucy drive right by them, Jamie told investigators that he'd gotten a text from Amber saying she was having a miscarriage, which would be a massive issue if she was due within the near future and also a quick conclusion to come to. While bleeding isn't something you want to see in later pregnancy or in pregnancy at all, it's not wildly uncommon during labor. And according to a comment Amber made on an ultrasound photo she'd uploaded to Facebook, she was due on the 17th. She'd posted that in early September, so in the la-la land of Amber's world, that would equate to her being more than five weeks overdue, which is just not gonna happen. Amber was texting her husband that she was having a miscarriage, which, according to her own comment, was happening at 45 weeks pregnant. Though that 911 call about her being in labor only indicated that she was one week past her due date. Her terrible storytelling skills were unraveling at record-setting rates. Jamie said that he rushed home, picked Amber and the kids up, and rushed to the store to meet the ambulance, where we know she claimed to have given birth in the car and the baby did not survive. The baby Amber and Jamie had held a funeral for was without a single doubt Ashley Bush's baby. According to 5 News Online, Amber had a placenta in her pants when EMS arrived at the store. And if that's the case, what does that say about Jamie's involvement in the story that Amber had given birth in the car? Unless she also had the baby concealed in her pants and somehow acted out the most convincing labor in the history of mankind, he's got a lot of explaining to do. Arrest warrants were signed on November 3rd, and both Amber and Jamie Waterman were taken into custody. Amber was slapped with federal charges of kidnapping resulting in a death, and Jamie was also federally charged, but with being an accessory after the fact to kidnapping resulting in a death. Both were held without bond. Once the cuffs were on, the mouths were moving, and by mouths, I mean Jamie's. The following information is from the criminal complaint form obtained by the always wonderful KSN, and it includes information gathered through the investigation and Jamie Waterman's account of what happened. As always, all suspects are innocent until proven guilty. Jamie claimed that it wasn't until police left their home on the 2nd after another trip to visit the couple that Amber told him she had killed Ashley, then quickly changed her story to Lucy having killed Ashley. Just so we're clear, Lucy is an absolutely imaginary person. No one knows if Amber was ever actually pregnant during the time she says she was, but she certainly didn't give birth in September on her Facebook due date, she didn't give birth to her own baby on Halloween, and all of the ultrasound photos she'd posted on social media had the personal information cropped out of them. After telling Jamie what she had done, or what Lucy had done, The criminal complaint alleges that she led him to Ashley's body. Ashley was fully clothed, lying face down, covered by a tarp. Her body had been near a boat on the property, which was a somewhat large property. Before rolling Ashley up in that tarp, Amber's little gremlin ass allegedly took the ring off of her finger. Next, Jamie told police that he and Amber dragged Ashley's body to the fire pit behind the house where Amber asked him to get some gasoline. Instead, he brought over some chainsaw bar chain oil and Amber proceeded to pour it over her body and light the tarp on fire. Jamie even went so far as to drag a couch over to the fire pit, but can't exactly seem to remember whether or not Amber added it to the fire. A burning couch seems like something you wouldn't forget, but what do I know? After letting the fire burn for an hour, Jamie told investigators that Amber used a hose to put it out. Jamie tried to remove Ashley's body, but it was too hot, so he grabbed another tarp and rolled her onto that one. Once he'd done that, he transported her body into the bed of his blue truck, and they took Ashley's charred remains to a location not far from their home and left her there. Apparently, they couldn't drive too far because his truck was having engine problems. But in the end, it was Jamie who led police to Ashley's body. During the subsequent search of Jamie and Amber's property, the FBI did, in fact, find charred bone fragments in the fire pit. On November 4th, the coroner confirmed to CNN that baby Valkyrie had been cut from Ashley's womb. What he doesn't know is whether or not Valkyrie was alive when she was removed. They're still running tests. Ashley's cause of death was listed as a gunshot wound, and if the flow of oxygen had been cut off to baby Valkyrie while still in the womb, she would have only had minutes to survive. On top of that, she would have been born nine weeks early. The average weight of a baby born at 31 weeks is around three pounds and would almost certainly need some form of neonatal intensive care for a host of complications, like breathing, temperature regulation, blood sugar regulation, potential heart problems, the list goes on. The week of November 9th, 2022, was one of major progress in the fight for justice for Ashley and Valkyrie. Five News Online reports that both Amber and Jamie were seen in federal court, where once again Bond was denied. On November 10th, Amber was finally charged with not one, but two counts of not just murder, but capital murder, and of course, one count of kidnapping. Those charges were filed by the state. The prosecutor said in no uncertain terms that he will be seeking the death penalty and stated that they chose to file the murder charges in state court versus federal court so that Ashley's family wouldn't have to travel to attend the hearings and said that it was easier to prosecute at the state level. The last female to be executed in Arkansas was in 2000, which was the first female to be executed in the state in 155 years. There are currently either 29 or 30 people on death row in Arkansas. I couldn't nail down the exact number. However, every single one of them are males. The last person executed in Arkansas was six years ago, And it was a man named Kenneth Williams who'd killed a college cheerleader in 1998, escaped in 1999, and proceeded to kill another person. His execution was actually pretty controversial after CNN reports that several witnesses saw him lurch multiple times minutes after the lethal injection cocktail was administered. He could reportedly be heard outside of what they called the death chamber, even when the sound was turned off. Some claimed the execution was botched, while others said that protocol was followed and there was no indication that Williams was in pain. There was a ton of uproar surrounding his execution, and I feel like if I have an opinion here, I'm gonna get a truckload of shit, so we'll leave it there and get back to the status of Ashley and Baby Valkyrie's case. Amber and Jamie Waterman are both awaiting trials in both federal and state court. They have been formally indicted on the federal charges, and as of yet, they have both pled not guilty. As this case progresses through the courts, I will be sure to update you. In the meantime, Ashley's family has set up a GoFundMe, an angel on this earth offered to cover her and Valkyrie's funeral expenses, so all donations will be going to assist in the lives of her three surviving children. I'll be sure to put that link in Ashley's highlight on my Instagram. For all photos pertaining to this case, check out Ashley's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at Ashley, and join me there tonight at 8.30pm Eastern, where you go live with me and we talk about today's episode and all other true crime cases on your mind. To get access to ad-free and bonus episodes, subscribe to our Apple Premium or head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you love the podcast, feel free to leave a review. It absolutely makes my day. And if you have a case you would like to hear covered, share it with Big Mad True Crime on social media. All cases are covered by listener request. I'll be bringing you a brand new case next week, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out.